Hey, at least I'm not all keyed up to watch a kid's show. I'll have you know that Ducktective has a big mystery element and a lot of humor that goes over kids' heads. Hey, cassettes, and welcome back to the Boo Case Diaries. We're three old gnomes learning everything we can about movies and TV and hopefully teaching you in the process. I'm Robin. I'm Shmebulog. And I'm Adam. <laughs> that was Marcy, actually. That was, yeah, it's me. She fooled you. Oh, my gosh. I'm a little goof. <laughs> I will be honest. It'd be funnier if it was the last person he said. Uh, As we creep further into the Halloween season, we're turning our attention to one of our all-time favorite supernatural TV shows. This series has it all, including zombies, ghosts, telepathy, multiverses, and even time travel, all crammed into one mysterious town in Oregon. Gravity Falls. Oh my gosh. This show took me so long (laughs) to finally like commit to it. Yeah. But I'm glad I did. Gravity Falls is an animated show that aired on the Disney Channel in the early 2010s. It ran for two planned seasons and covered one complete story about a pair of twins living with their great uncle Stan in rural Oregon for the summer. But of course, nothing is as it seems, and these two kids end up spending their summer fighting off gnomes, solving ghostly mysteries, and even battling the weird apocalypse. So, let's hop on the bus to Gravity Falls and uncover the mystery of how it was made. From from the outside looking in, I just knew it was an interesting show. I knew a lot of people loved it, and I'd seen like a couple of memes that came from it, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, there's the gif of the gnome puking a rainbow that is everywhere (laughs) so and then i've seen pictures of the pyramid character who Mm. we'll get to Mm -hmm. but i had no other concept like of what it could be but it covers so much that you'd never know yeah from just (laughs) just from just like trying to find out you have to watch it yeah to actually get it all i remember hearing the name of it for the first time Mm -hmm. and being like Mm -hmm. Oh, it's just one of those goofy Disney shows. Yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. I thought about watching it, but you know, it was like, yeah, I was in college at the time. Like, yeah, yeah. And I, I yeah. put yeah. it on, and to fall asleep one day because I was, I wasn't feeling well, mm-hmm. and I couldn't fall asleep because the show You're was too so intrigued. good. It was just yeah. too good. And I was like, God, this is a good show. Yeah. And it just, I was so blown away because, you know, it starts out like a normal supernatural show where it's yeah. like, oh, monster of the week type things. Yeah. But the overarching story really begins so early on yeah and you could yeah, tell that yeah. it was really planned and it was just so well thought out and yeah. it was funny it's such a funny show mm-hmm. for those of you out there who haven't seen the show definitely do yourself a favor and go watch it spoilers ahead yeah. probably yes lots of spoilers ahead yep. and as somebody who took their sweet ass time getting around to watching it i like take it from me it's definitely worth watching yeah Plus, it's only two seasons. You got exactly. This. You can. You got it. You can. You can plow through it in in a week, probably, if you sit with it. Twins Mabel and Dipper Pine's parents have shipped them off to Gravity Falls to live with their great uncle Stan for the summer. Stan is a local businessman that runs a tourist attraction called the Mystery Shack, where he scams people out of their money <laughs> on a daily basis. <laughs> At the shack, he has employed Seuss, the handyman, and Wendy, a local teen. Just after they arrive, Dipper discovers some strange happenings in the town and finds a mysterious journal documenting the unknown author's encounters with multiple supernatural beings. 
Together, Mabel and Dipper navigate the highs and lows of summer, growing up, and battling monsters, both supernatural and emotional. The longer they stay in Gravity Falls, the more they discover about the journal, the mystery shack, and their Gronkle Stan. And, as it turns out, nothing is ever as it seems. Yeah. I think that first episode, you know, he finds the journal, and mm-hmm. at the end, you, when you see Stan go over to the vending machine, yeah. he puts in, and it was like, I remember being like, oh, you know, like, he knows about it, you know, it, it was such a such a cool moment, like, it was like, yeah. oh my god, yes. this is gonna be such a good show. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. And it's crazy because that particular thing, that's episode one, right? Yeah. yeah. But that is not, like, revealed... Until so much later. I know. You yep. wait, a, they wait a long time before you get to see what's on the other but side of that. But it's so cool yeah. how they do that. And I love when show, like this show does it particularly well, but whenever shows sprinkle things in super early yeah. or like continue to reference themselves yeah. back, like mm-hmm. as time goes on, they continue to reference what happened. Yep. That kind of stuff is so much fun. Okay, so now we are going to do our little thing that we do where we talk about the know, making of the, the show. The making of the show. Yeah. Let's, oh, you know, man. Marcy forgot that. what it was called I because did, we never do and, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is like a one time thing. <laughs> yeah. So don't get used to it. I was know. trying to stall just so long enough yeah. until somebody could say it for me. Exactly. She was so. really, she was begging me to do it. <laughs> Gravity Falls was created by Alex Hirsch. While in school at California Institute of the Arts, Hirsch and his friend Adrian Molina started a friendly competition where they would each come up with five ideas for a TV show every day. The first to give up would have to write a 40-page pilot for one of their shows. Damn. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. no thanks. That is hard. That would be so hard. Yeah. <laughs> I could maybe do one yep. a day. Yeah. <laughs> After about a week, the two friends called a truce (laughs) the last show that Hirsch had come up with was called gravity falls the original premise followed a young man that has a nervous breakdown after a breakup and retreats to the small town only to find that it's teeming with unexplained phenomena and we'll have a full original synopsis available in our blog for you to read because it's it's pretty funny yeah (laughs) nice CalArts is famous for producing some of the biggest names in animation. For example, Adrian Molina would go on to co-write and co-direct the beloved Pixar film Coco. Yeah. Sweet. (laughs) After graduating college, Hirsch got his first job in the animation industry as a storyboard artist for The Marvelous Misadventure of Flapjack, a Cartoon Network show. He also helped develop the pilot episode for Disney's show Fish Hooks. You know what? I that makes a lot of sense because <laughs> f- the the misadventures of Flapjack yeah feels very like mm-hmm. similar to Gravity Falls mm-hmm. in ah, a way. Yeah, he okay. was because yeah he was a storyboard artist on there and <sighs> and his writing partner was Pendleton Ward. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> On Flapjack before, you know, Adventure Time. Yes, so, yeah. yes. Yeah. Disney reached out to Hirsch after viewing some of his student work and asked him if he would like to pitch a show. He pitched three series, one of them being Gravity Falls, but with a new premise from the original concept. Hirsch kept the name, though, because he liked the 
pun-like quality of it. The other shows were about time-traveling dolphins and another about time-traveling gentlemen. (laughs) Disney executive Mike Moon could see that Gravity Falls was the one that Hirsch had a strong relationship with, and he knew it could work as a show. Yeah, and it had, you know, with its concept, you have so many. Yeah. Like it writes itself in a way. Yeah. I really think that the show works so well because he was so close to the subject matter, like the yeah. material. You know, people watching it could kind of liken it to their own experiences because, you know, as, as humans, many yeah. of us have very similar experiences, right, you know. Right. So like you, you know, we could see that a lot of this came from real stuff. Yeah. The new premise followed twins that were sent to live with a relative during the summer. This closely resembled Hirsch's own childhood where he and his twin sister Ariel would stay with their great aunt in a cabin. Hirsch describes the show as if The Simpsons and Twin Peaks had a baby and it's on Disney Channel. It's perfect. It's perfect description. <laughs> yeah, that works pretty well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, yeah. I honestly. was like, dang, he hit the nail on the head. Yes, it's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> After the pitch, Hirsch spent about a month storyboarding potential episodes on sticky notes. During this time, he developed an 11 minute version of the pilot episode, which he presented to Disney even performing all of the voices. Nice. (laughs) He wasn't sure if they liked the show, but he could tell they liked him and saw potential. Disney told Hearst the show was likely to be picked up and to start hiring people. He first brought in his former college roommate, Ian Worrell, as art director. He also picked up his buddy, Joe Pitt, as character designer. Essentially, Hearst just shoved all of his college friends into a room And together they created an amazing show by having fun and goofing around. That's the way to do it. That's the dream, isn't it? (laughs) Yes. Hirsch made a sign for everyone working on the show, reminding them that they were making fun stuff with friends. It was decorated (laughs) with little clouds and trees and displayed as an inspirational poster. That's so cute. Nice. It's a very Mabel thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's such a cute idea, too. The writing room for Gravity Falls wasn't very big, with only a few writers working at a time. Some of them were Alex Hirsch, Matt Chapman, Jeff Rowe, Josh Weinstein, Timothy McKeon, Zach Pez, and Shion Takuchi. As they got together, the group would bring up events that happened to them growing up. Hirsch is a big fan of The Simpsons, and he used Matt Groening's philosophy that there always has to be real emotions behind the plot lines of the show. The writers would come up with supernatural aspect of the episode, but then use that as a backdrop to what was really happening with the characters and how they were learning about themselves. The first thing that Hirsch focused on was Dipper and Mabel's personalities. They had to be a believable sibling duo that got on each other's nerves but still liked each other. The next thing they focused on was the storyline. Writing a mystery is difficult because there's a lot of setup and you can't cheat the audience by making the conclusion something that they never could have guessed on their own. Then they focused on the punchlines of the episode because keeping it funny made the show more fun to watch. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so awesome. I really, really like Dipper and Mabel's dynamic. Mm-hmm. It really yeah. reminds me of uh, Adam 
and like one of his sisters. <laughs> I always yeah. felt like Adam one and his and sisters, <laughs> yeah, had a really good relationship. Yeah. And so, like, it feels like kind of, you know what I mean? Like, that relationship yes. feels very similar. Even, and that's a, one of the cool things about the show is that that's, mm-hmm. like, a very baseline thing. Yeah. And it's it's how they're able to deal with everything. But mm-hmm. they don't want to engage in the nerdy stuff with you. <laughs> yes. Just like Dipper. Yeah, just like Dipper. Just like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like the episode with Dungeons, Dungeons, and More Dungeons. More d- dude, <laughs> that was like... <laughs> When Even that, the title was when like, he brought that yeah. up, I was like, yes! <laughs> I was so ready to, to, to be totally railed by that, by that episode, and I was. It was made all the jabs that I wanted so. to be made at DMs and, and the whole game. It was uh, great. So great. Hirsch asked his creative director for the name of the funniest person at CalArts. His director gave him the name Michael Rianda, but told him that he was in high demand at the time. So Hirsch sent him a letter asking him to be part of the team. He promised that it would be more like a TV boot camp than a series and that they could sharpen their skills together. After Rianda came on board, he and Hirsch got along very well. He challenged Hirsch in a way that no one else would, which made the writing stronger. Both men would write the same scene separately and then meet up to show each other their work. Then they would edit them and combine the best pieces of each scene. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. 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 I love that. It's yeah, it is pretty awesome. Yeah, and I love that. Like, I bet that look guy loves that it. it's on record that he was the funniest person at CalArts. <laughs> right? That's a, yeah, that's a good point. He probably does love that. One of the most important parts of the story was that it had a finite ending. It's far more common for TV shows to continue as long as the ratings are high. But Alex Hirsch knew that there was only so much story to tell, and his story editor Rob Renzetti understood that too. Renzetti was a driving force behind working toward the show's endgame, keeping the two seasons as succinct as possible. There's such a great balance of episodes that are standalone Mm -hmm. and that you could watch outside of the plot and then story episodes. Mm -hmm. And it's so nice there is not a single bad episode of this show. Mm-hmm. I would ne- there's not a single nope. one where I'd be like, yeah, cut that one. Skip it. Yeah. We don't we don't need that one. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. There's something great about every episode and <laughs> it's so nice that it the balance is there because mm-hmm. they needed the audience to breathe in between these big story reveals. Right. Yeah. And to like kind of keep the show going but also like have more lore and having more mm-hmm. in- introduction of other characters and stuff like that. Yeah. Alex Hirsch actually asked his sister what she thought was the best episode and what she thought was the worst episode. Yeah, which I was like, oh, putting her on the spot. Uh So she said her favorite is the Time Traveler's Pig. I love that Where she's like, because I always wanted a pig. Yes, (laughs) of course. um, (laughs) That. And then... Of course, she had a hard time coming up with like her least favorite or the worst because it's yeah impossible. But she did end up saying the first one, and not because it's bad. Like she's like, it's a great episode, but she's like, I think it's because I've seen it so many times Mm -hmm. because she's like, I show so many people the show, and I you know, figuring out how to reach the end was a big challenge. The writing team knew how the story would end, but they had to figure out how to get there. After a long brainstorming session, the group broke out into cheers when they finally cracked the code on season two. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Because Alex Hirsch was adamant that there would only be two seasons, Disney honored his wish instead of forcing the show to continue. In the first season, the main mystery is who wrote the journal that Dipper finds in the first episode. Hirsch knew that once this was solved, the tension would disappear. It was only a matter of time afterward that the show would have to end. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. After the writers would create a script, they would do a table read with the storyboard artists. Hirsch would then take all the edits from the storyboard artists and write up a final script for them to illustrate. After the artists finished creating storyboards, they would post them on the wall and do a walkthrough with Hirsch watching. He would make minor adjustments to their work and brought it to Disney executives. He and Mike Moon would then make a mock-up video of the episode with Hirsch performing the voices for the characters. <laughs> That's got to be hilarious. Yes. Now, the artists did say they were like a little bit terrified when, when they yeah. would do this run-through yeah. because Hirsch would sit in the very back and he would be all slunched over, Leo, oh, like, yeah. slumped over with his finger near his mouth, like being like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> very But, attentive. you know, like, Yeah. <laughs> When it was time for the actors to record their lines, Hirsch was in every session, ready to direct them through it. Once the lines had been recorded, Hirsch would do one final run-through of the audio with the storyboard illustrations to make sure that the images matched the voices. After that, the audio and storyboards were sent to Korea, where they were animated. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Story editor Rob Renzetti gave the animators details on how things needed to be animated. For example, he would tell them exactly how long characters needed to scream in certain episodes. Yeah, it would make sense that that kind of stuff wouldn't translate. You yeah. know, it's like they scream. Okay, but like for exactly how many seconds? Yeah. Yeah. Because like yeah. The, the voice recordings are done. Like exactly. we need to know, you know. Like, it, it also makes me think of how a lot of shows around this time do this do a very unorthodox cartoon thing where they sit with a joke for longer than mm, you expect yes you know what i mean like for example when mabel is like telling stan and his brother to hug it out yeah right yeah she's like and hug here comes the hug train <laughs> hug here hug it out and they're gonna hug. Like it's just it's like for too long, yeah. but but in a good way, you know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's not something that a lot of cartoons do, just like mm-hmm. some around yeah. this time. Like Adventure yeah. Time, I think, does that too. Yeah. But that's another thing that may not translate because you're yeah. like yeah. people are just kind of standing around while while a joke is while still joke happening. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I really yeah. like that stuff. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Oh yeah. The team would get the animated episode back after two to three months, and they would make more adjustments. They could only send it back to Korea so many times to make changes. So they, That's got to be hard. Yeah, they had to be very yeah. selective. It was kind of <laughs> like, you know, these things are wrong. Mm-hmm. Which ones are the most pressing? <laughs> yeah. That we yeah. want to make sure get fixed. Yeah. Designer Ian Worrell designed key parts of the show, like the Mystery Shack. The shack was a combination of a ship captain's cabin that Hirsch actually stayed in as a child and an old Victorian house he would visit as a kid. It's also inspired by the Santa Cruz Mystery Spot, a tourist attraction that Hirsch saw bumper stickers for as a kid. 
Artist Andy Gonzalez created the props that characters interacted with. The most important prop he created was the journal. The pages were in Gonzalez's handwriting and featured his drawings. Oh, so in a That's way. That's so cool. Yeah. He's the true his. author. He's the author, yes. Oh, man. Does he have six fingers? I hope so. <laughs> Many of the characters in Gravity Falls were inspired by the people in Hirsch's life. Mabel was based on Ariel, Hirsch's twin sister. More specifically, he used his memories of his sister when she was in middle school and was utterly not afraid to be herself. That is so true they're yeah. like especially for young girls like there's just yep. a point where there's, like they yep. stop you know feeling confident enough to like be themselves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know but like before that when like you know they have no problem they just just yes yep. i am here say it all do it all <laughs> yes growing up both of them were imaginative kids that would sometimes get on each other's nerves they spent several summers with their great aunt who lived in a cabin. Without video games or any friends, the twins had to make their own fun and were forced to get along. The show follows the twins over the course of one summer, but this was an amalgamation of all the summers that Alex and Ariel spent together with their great aunt. Yes. Oh, man. I wonder if they claimed to have seen abnormal uh, Living in the woods like that. Living maybe. in the woods, yeah. Yeah. While designing Mabel, he made sure that she had a big sweater that she flopped around because it matched a vivid memory that he had of his sister at Ariel. The sweater that launched the ideas for a lot of Mabel's sweaters was a colorful troll one that his sister had worn as a kid. Oh, man. So good. I loved every single one of them. Their sweaters. They were different every time. My absolute favorite one, though was the one with the wiener dog that wraps around like three oh. times. Do you remember that one? Yeah. I can't remember what yeah. episode it was in, but uh, like at the bottom, you'd see the, the little dog butt, the dog. and then it's just a noodle all the way around, and then the front of the dog is at the top. So it's yeah. like wraps around. I so love it and would wear cute. that today. Her yeah. sweaters are so cute. Yes. Actor Kristen Shaw voices Mabel. You might recognize her voice from the series Bob's Burgers, where she plays another young girl, Louise. Yes. When Hirsch was writing the pilot, he could only imagine it in Kristen's voice. She was it. Kristen had a great level of commitment to the role, and it helped that she had a lot of energy like Mabel. Kristen said that out of all the characters she has played, she relates the most to Mabel Pines. She had braces when she was younger. She was boy crazy, and she would have made a sock puppet play, etc. Just like Mabel yeah. does in the show. Yep. I love her <laughs> very <laughs> yeah. much. Mabel's such a great character. She's so, so good. good. Yeah, and the actress yeah. too. Just outside Perfect. the show is yeah. also yeah. wonderful. Yeah, she seems like she would be a blast to hang out with. Mm-hmm. To be honest, with yes. You. Yeah, the the people working on it with Alex were like, as soon as he put. Mabel down on paper. Oh, she yeah. she was alive. Like she, yeah. it was Mabel. Yeah, <laughs> she was the most fleshed out. Check it out, Dipper. I successfully bezazzled my face. Blink. Ow. Is that permanent? I'm unappreciated in my time. In spite of her insanity, I, yeah. I, I suppose <laughs> mm-hmm. she has this magnetic personality where you just, mm-hmm. you know, she's crazy, but <laughs> yeah. you want to hang around it, though. Yeah, and she yeah. brings in other yeah. people who like her, and she brings mm-hmm. she brings 
joy into any situation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she's just also just amazing. so caring. She's always going to do the right thing. Yeah. Right. You know, and it's right. like when the show, as the show progresses and like she grows up a little bit and her feelings become a little more complicated mm-hmm. yeah. and it gets a little harder for her to understand like what's good and what's right and what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, near the end when we have this huge weird Mageddon and everything mm-hmm. yeah. going on, you know, what really jump starts that is her making basically one wrong decision, yeah. you right, know? Right. And like, that's the thing is it like she, yes, yeah, she is like kind of the moral compass of the two uh-huh. twins. She, she's making the wrong decision. Yes. Because as the audience, we see what's, yeah. what's, yeah. but with the best intentions, mm-hmm. because she's like, well, if it makes people happy, does it matter? Mm-hmm. So yeah. and that's, that's a really complicated question. Yes. Yeah. Dipper is based on a middle school version of Hirsch himself. He chose the ages for the kids based on that time in your life when you want to be seen as a grown-up, but you're not quite ready to actually grow up. Yeah. You you <laughs> want you want the freedom of adulthood, yes. but none of the other stuff. Yes. Responsibilities. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love Dipper. I love how driven he is and like you know, just wanting to solve the mystery all the time. Yep. I love how nerdy he is, and that's something like he just hyper fixates on stuff. Yep. I think there's a bit in an episode <laughs> where they talk about Mabel talks about how she can't sleep in the same room with him anymore because he reads at night. He's like, "How is my reading keeping you up at night?" Oh, and yeah. Because this scene where he's like, "Hmm, <laughs> oh." Wow! <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> you know, yeah. like he's just doing. So, and, oh my god, I do that shit all yeah. the time. Yeah. <laughs> Jason Ritter voices Dipper. He has also appeared in several shows and films, like Kevin Probably Saves the World and Captain Fall. He is also the son of the late actor John Ritter. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh. Hirsch liked Ritter for the part because he had a nice vulnerability to it and a natural voice crack. Oh man! Just like Adam. Yeah. What? <laughs> How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> when he was younger, Ritter had been told that the voice crack would go away, but it never did. Yeah. Solidarity, brother. He's got a great voice, and he it's does, so good yeah. for Dipper. Yeah. Hirsch said working with Ritter was like working with Dipper himself because the actor wanted to know what all the codes and symbols meant. Man, oh man, yeah. see, two for two. Yeah. yeah. You know, you cast the you perfect to, person. Yes, perfect. you have to cast the perfect people. Grunkle Stan was voiced by Alex Hirsch. Hirsch knew that he wanted the kids to be with an unreliable narrator character. He considered different personalities for Stan, like maybe something similar to Vincent Price. Ultimately, he landed on the personality of his own Grandpa Stan, whom he did not know well, but had become a family legend. Grandpa Stan was infamous for being a pathological liar and messing with people all the time. It's like, oh, no, no, I'm not lying. I'm just messing with you. (laughs) That's not a normal dad or grandpa (laughs) or uncle. (laughs) When Hirsch was a child, his uncle tried to convince him that a hotel spoon was, was the legendary Hirsch family silver. Hirsch's mom told him to look at the handle where it said the inn's name and not to believe him. <laughs> that was my entire childhood. My father uh, tried to convince me of so many things. So many. He Man. told me our our dining room table came over on the Mayflower. Ha! Huh. Amazing. <laughs> nice. <laughs> A lot of people auditioned for Grunkle Stan, but they would either make him too mean or too old. So they tested it with Hirsch as Stan and the pilot. 
It worked really well and made his life easier because if he needed to change a line, he could easily do that at any point. He does such a great job as Stan. I actually would not immediately think that Stan and Bill, a later character, are the same voice actor. Yeah, nope. Wait, really? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He's both. He's both. And the creator. (laughs) Yeah. I'll be damned. And he's so many more characters, too. Way different. Bill and Stan, yeah. Yeah, That's an impressive range. I know. It's really, I'm like, you should have been a a voice actor. And he does the main gnome guy, too. Yeah, yes, Um, the main gnome. That one, I can hear the similarity between him and Bill. Yeah. But Stan is... Yeah. Yeah. And Seuss. Whole different he does Seuss. He does Seuss as well. also. You've got to be kidding me. Yeah. <laughs> no, he does Seuss. I know. <laughs> He's really good. Yeah. Well, damn. Yeah. I would not think that, if I, no, but I know yeah. it. Yeah. That's incredibly yeah. impressive. That's like Tom Kenny levels. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hirsch taught himself to do lots of voices. He started when he was younger to annoy his sister. Best way to do it. Huh? <laughs> I, yeah, I used to do that. The characters were so close to his heart, he knew them so well, that it did not feel right having someone else voice them. Hirsch tried a lot of different symbols to place on Stan's hat, but ultimately chose a simplified version of the symbol on the Shriners' hats. The Shriners is an international fraternity, according to their website. Zeus, Jesus Ramirez, the handyman, was also voiced by Hirsch. Lee. <laughs> Zeus was based on a buddy from Cal Arts named Jesus Chambret. Jesus was an upperclassman who was always trying to help. Each time he would make it worse before it got better. If you needed help with a printer, he would break it and then proceed to help you fix the printer he just broke. He was very sweet and kind. Aw. Uh, yeah. I really like Seuss. <laughs> yeah. He might be my favorite character, but... Yeah, it's, Seuss is the best. So good. Yeah. I mean, Seuss he's, is so good. He's so sweet. Oh, yeah. It was difficult for Hirsch to explain Seuss in order for actors to give him the right voice. Even Hirsch's voice was not quite right, but it made them all laugh and worked so they kept it. This happened with other characters like Bill. If they liked it, they kept it as Hirsch's voice. That's crazy, man. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love how he calls everyone dudes. Yes. (laughs) Oh, dudes. Girl dudes. Girl dudes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wendy is played by Linda Cardellini, who has done a lot of voice work, including Guardians of the Galaxy 3. She was, she's been in a lot of stuff, yeah. but she's been doing a lot of voice work lately. Mm. Yeah. Wendy is the cool older girl that Dipper is infatuated with on the show. She works in the mystery shack with Seuss and the kids and allows the twins to tag along when she hangs out with her friends. Hirsch grew up watching Freaks and Geeks, the Judd Apatow sitcom starring Cardellini. So she was the ultimate cool girl for him. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that cool? (laughs) Mabel's two best friends in town were Candy, voiced by storyboard artist Nikki Yang, and Renda, voiced by Carl Ferullo. The two were good friends and worked next to each other in the office. They had a unique dynamic where Carl would sometimes scream as he spoke, and Nikki would respond in her soft voice. You might recognize Nikki Yang as the voice of Bebo in Adventure Time. Yes, man. Or Lady Rainicorn. When she first appeared yeah. Yeah. in that episode uh, where she meets them for the first time, I was like, Bebo! Bebo! It was just, it was, it was a beautiful <laughs> moment. <laughs> Love Bebo. Because English is not her first language, some of the scripts contained words that were difficult for Nikki to pronounce. On the spot, Hirsch would ask her to try different things, and they would work out lines together. 
Yang was born in South Korea, and Candy speaks a line of Korean in the episode Sock Opera. Yeah, yeah. Nice. <laughs> They're going after that. That, <laughs> that, that the cute guy. Gabe, who's, yeah. yeah oh. who's, a, who's like weird. Yes. Yeah. He's in love with his puppets. He's, puppets. he's <laughs> very, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. She runs after him and she says, uh, wait, no, Gabe, Candy still loves you, but she says oh. it in Korean. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> One of the series' antagonists was Lil Gideon, a young boy who claims to have telepathic powers. Lil Gideon has a cult-like following in the town, which allows him to torment Stan and the twins. Yeah, he kind of fits in the same business area as yes. Stan, so yeah. he's like inherently a rival. And also because like... You know, everybody loves him so much. He gets away with everything. Right, so much. Right. Yeah. Because he's just so cute. Ooh, just, and he has the little southern voice. Yeah. And... Yeah, with the like dimples yeah. and stuff kind of thing. <laughs> little me. He was voiced by Thurup Van Orman, who was a writer on The Marvelous Misadventures of Flapjack and Adventure Time. Nice. Yeah. He tried so hard to sing well in the Little Gideon's first episode. But he just wasn't keeping on the beat, so he was asked not to sing again. Oh, no. <laughs> Gideon only sings once in yeah, the show. Yeah, which is so funny because it was really supposed to be a big part of his character. Oh, you really? Know? <laughs> like, I mean, the fact that he sings songs, he's cute, all yeah. that. Interesting. And, like, I think, he, you know, um, Thurup was like, yeah. And then when I was not able to do that, he's like, I feel bad because I think they just kind of scrapped that part of little Gideon's personality. But, <laughs> but you know, I think, I think despite that, it kind of yeah. works yeah. in the show because he, like, as he keeps losing to the Pines family, yeah. he kind of like gets more desperate and like, stops caring yeah you know what i mean he's just like i don't care about putting on this face for people i don't care about the the telepathy tent or whatever his business was i just want to destroy the mystery shack and get yeah he becomes more and more jaded and yeah evil and Yeah. yeah Pacifica northwest the somewhat nemesis of mabel pines was voiced by writer and producer jackie buscarino it took her forever to sing a song for the show as well, so there are no more songs for her character. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, she has, like, this seemed, one ballad. Yeah, it seems like it was difficult for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Singing just ain't working out. Yeah, yeah. no. It's so funny because the amount they sing in the show, it, it's more than a normal cartoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's not like a musical. <laughs> right, right. And sometimes they just let, like, background music yes. handle it. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I love, I mean, I just absolutely love the parodies and, like, yeah, when yeah. Dipper sings their version of Dancing Queen. Oh, right, <laughs> right. Oh, God. The music in Gravity Falls maintains the mood incredibly well. It's also a wonderful running gag where the characters sing license-free knockoffs of the popular songs. Like, Taking Over Midnight is a parody of Girls Just Want to Have Fun. <laughs> Girls do what we oh, like. like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so, so good. Because yeah. you oh. know what it's referencing, but yes. they just twist the words. And oh, it's and Mabel hilarious. sings like a Don't Stop Believing yeah. song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Put on the most crowd-pleasing 80s poppiest song you've got. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, it would be that one. Yes, that would be the one. 
Brad Bree composed the music and did an amazing job. A typical day for him was watching an episode over and over again to try to figure out what music will support what is happening. He paid attention to the emotion of the show and what was happening with the characters. You know, just kind of like a regular film composer. Yeah. You would, you know. The one thing that Alex Hirsch feels is perfect is the theme song and animation that goes with it. He would not change a thing about it, unlike how he sees little things wrong throughout the episodes. Oh, yeah. Stop looking at those, man. You did <laughs> yeah, great. You did an awesome job. I, know, I yeah. But I just want to say, I love the Gravity Falls theme song. I never skip it. I never do. I mm-hmm, always watch it. Mm-hmm. It's yep. beautiful. It, and actually, I agree. I never skipped it. And then when in the few episodes where it like shortens it, I was yes. like, oh, I wonder if it aired that way. Though. I know. I wonder uh, if it did because too. It, yeah. Because I think it might be like they needed a few extra seconds for the episode. Oh, yeah. that could Let's, be. Shave yeah, off the but intro. Damn, I love, I love that intro. Yeah. It's always so good. The cold open is always just intriguing enough, mm-hmm. just interesting enough. And then they jump into that music yep. and like the animated time lapse of the trees <laughs> and like yep. riding into town so with, the, with the water tower. Yep. I just, I, yep. and like, I love the, the weather main with what, yep. you know, yeah. and the big question mark. And I just, it's so. So good, mm-hmm. like it really, like it's just yep. perfect. Yep. Yeah. And then when they change it later, you yes. know, because things happen, yeah, they have to change it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah. my, oh god. We have so many favorite episodes of this show. Am I right? Yeah. Yes. Like we said, none of them are bad. In fact, we don't really have any least favorite episodes at all. We are going to highlight the ones that we enjoy the most, but. Please keep in mind that there are no bad episodes of Gravity Falls. We're going to try to avoid talking about major plot points in the episodes for those that haven't seen the show yet. Mm-hmm. Stop the stop the podcast now and go watch the show if you don't want any spoilers at all. Yeah, we're yes. going to keep it light, though. We're going to try not to talk but about yes. too many big ones. Yes. The first episode we're going to talk about is called Tourist Trapped. Hey! Ooh. This is the pilot episode. The pilot episode begins as Mabel and Dipper are fleeing from an unseen monster in the woods. After a freeze frame and a rewind... Classic. Yes. Yeah. This episode sets up the plot of the show and introduces all the main characters. In this episode, Mabel begins dating a strange boy that Dipper suspects is a zombie. Oh my god, yes. (laughs) Here we see the journal for the first time a book that chronicles many of the happenings in Gravity Falls. This episode sets up the relationship dynamic of Dipper and Mabel and shows the audience how much they care about each other. Yes, this is such a great first episode. Yes. You know, it introduces Dipper gets his hat in this one, his classic hat. Yeah, I didn't know that that wasn't part of, like, it wasn't just his hat. Yeah. Yeah. He grabbed it because Stan let them... Take something from the gift shop. Under $10. Yeah, quick before I change my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I I love it. This episode is so cool because it does a really good job of setting things up. You know, he finds the journal in this episode, so it introduces that mystery of like, what is this? What's you know, he yeah. struggles about whether or not to talk to Mabel about it, mm-hmm. you know, and then we've also got Mabel dealing with this boy crazy thing. Yep. 
Yeah. Classic. <laughs> and how, you know, she wants to date this boy who seems like a zombie. And mm-hmm. One of my favorite little details is that the drawing in the journal <laughs> of the zombie yeah. looks very so much, much like yes. this boy. Like this boy. Yes. <laughs> the Hand That Rocks the Mabel is the fourth episode of season one. In this episode, we meet Lil Gideon, one of the major antagonists in the show. After the twins visit his tent of telepathy, Gideon falls in love with Mabel and insists that they date. When she turns him down, the twins find out that Gideon is even more powerful than they thought. (laughs) Yeah. They think that he's kind of just a fraud. Yeah. And they do a really good job of setting up him being a fraud because you he has this song and he's like, you know, everyone is swooning over him. People are singing along with him. Yeah. Full band backing him up. People are you know, lots of people in the parking lot. They're Mm -hmm. dressed up in his merch. Yep. And uh very yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, Dipper really writes him off as, like, you know, ah, yeah. he's just a fake. Because they're yeah. like, You're he's not afraid of journal, him. So. Like, what the heck? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whatever. And Mabel, mm. yeah, he's obsessed with Mabel, who really struggles with turning him down because she doesn't yeah. want to hurt anybody's feelings. Yeah. 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 They're expecting us. Please say you'll go. Aww. Aww. Gideon, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna have to say... I'm on the edge of my seat. This is gonna be adorable. If she says no, I'll die from sadness. I can verify that that will indeed happen. (laughs) But, you know, I think he does actually like Mabel Mm -hmm. in the end of the day. But at first, it seems like a stunt Mm -hmm. to get more... I don't know, media attention because mm. it's like, oh, little Gideon's dating somebody. You remember? Yeah. He, because he keeps the newspaper clipping because it's the only picture he has of the two of them together <laughs> where she yeah. looks incredibly uncomfortable oh. and yeah. he's looking right at the camera with yeah. like a like a wink and a thumbs up yeah. kind of yes. thing. So it's like, oh, were you, was this a plan or do you actually no, like No, I think Mabel? he really likes but, her. But yeah. at the end of the yeah. day, I think it is true. Mm, yeah. No, he just yeah. can't help. He can't turn off his, like, persona. You yeah. Know? Yeah. The Inconveniencing is the fifth episode of season one. In this episode, Dipper and Mabel tag along to hang out with Wendy and her friends at a haunted convenience store. Aha. Uh-huh. This is a perfect standalone episode. Yeah. yeah. Yep. There's yeah. almost no plot in this one. I love it. It's We've got the kids are going to this haunted store. And they find out that it's haunted because the mom and mom and pop, but which are actually the names on their shirts, like <laughs> their yeah, names yeah. are mom and pa. Uh, they died of a double heart attack because they heard rap music for the first time. <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah, it was teen outrageous. Yeah, it was How like dare they? that. And it, we also have the juxtaposition of Stan, who is stuck at home watching uh, the boring old lady oh channel God. or whatever. Yes! Where it's like this old fashioned love like, story. Yeah. Kids, I can't find the, the remote, Duchess. And I refuse to get up. Get up. Kids. I may be a Duchess, but I'm also, also a woman. Men. Yes! Yes! That's what I've been saying. Oh, look at her in that dress. Count Lionel, what's he doing here? I've come to reclaim my bride. You had your chance at the cotillion, you! You had your chance at the cotillion, you! That's what I'm saying! Uh... 
God. See, this is why this is why the episodes that are technically filler are still great. <laughs> they have such good humor in them still. Yeah. And then the relationship between Dipper and Wendy. Yeah. You know, it has moments in this episode too because it's the first time that they you know, she lets This them is when hang Dipper out. kind of realizes he has a crush on her. Yeah. He didn't yeah. even really realize it before. But now he's like he yeah, figured he, it out in this at, episode. Okay. At first he just kind of wanted to hang out with the older kids. He wanted to be seen as yeah, cool, cool, right? Yeah, in general. But then when yeah. Wendy was like super nice to him and like covered up his embarrassment for mm-hmm. him. Yeah. He was like, like, Oh, you know what? Yeah. The Time Traveler's Pig is the ninth episode of season one. It introduces two important characters for the show, Waddles the Pig and Blendon Blandon. Blendon I love Blendon Blandon. And of course, Waddles. Yes. Can't go without him. Blendon is a time traveler played by Justin Roiland, known for playing Morty in Rick and Morty and Lemon Grab in Adventure Time. He voices anxiety better than anyone I've ever noticed. You know, yeah. the, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. his characters always have that sound <laughs> yeah. to them. I yeah. love it. That, like, a, a little bit of whiny, but not yes. like too whiny. Yeah, just like that. Uh, uh, you know, you, oh, God. You, uh, you, uh, this is episode where they're at this fair, this carnival, uh, and yes. Dipper messes up, and he wants mm-hmm. to fix it. Yep. And oh, yeah. Mabel to, wins yeah. a pig. He's trying to impress Wendy. <laughs> yes. yes. And they some they just stumble happen to stumble upon this time traveler <laughs> who shows up and they use his little measuring tape, yeah. which is a time travel device. I, I love the kind of loop they create because he's yeah. there to investigate anomalies that they detected in the future. Yeah. But they haven't happened. Yeah. Because the episode (laughs) is him being there is what causes the anomalies. (laughs) Because the kids see him and then they're like, "Hey, yeah, we could fix our mistakes." Yeah, and they do it over and over Mm -hmm. again in this episode. Yeah, yeah. They they find out that um, you can't have both basically in this timeline. So yeah, Yeah, like you know, uh, Dipper wants to impress Wendy, and when he finally gets what he what he wants. Uh, it turns out it, it takes Waddles away from Mabel. So Waddles the pig is introduced in this episode, oh, and he's, he's so in the good. rest of the show. He's so good. He's so good. And it's just a pig. <laughs> <laughs> Fight Fighters is the 10th episode of season one. <laughs> oh, man. The names of these are just like <laughs> yeah. perfect. In this episode, Dipper and Wendy's boyfriend, Robbie, played by T.J. Miller, decide to have a fight. Afraid that he will get hurt, Dipper brings a video game character to life to fight for him. This episode parodies <laughs> old video games in yes. such a beautiful way. There's a part where he's, he's like a character... And he, he just kind of like is constantly he's doing his idle animation. Yeah, it was back yeah. and forth. And he said, stand still. I said, stand still. This, this is, is as still as I can stand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's like, later on, he's, he has to feed him. And he's mm-hmm. like, put it on the ground. And so Dipper puts the food on the ground. <laughs> and then he just crouches. And then like, it just <laughs> like, <laughs> it just levels up. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, it is very, very good. I think at the same time, is this the same one where like Seuss crawls into the arcade machine? Yes, Seuss gets trapped inside. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh my god. My sister Becky loves this episode, so I knew I had to mention it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's it's so funny. Yeah. 
Summerween is the 12th episode of season one. In the middle of summer vacation, the town of Gravity Falls celebrates Summerween, a Halloween-like holiday where children go trick-or-treating in June. Yeah, they, they <laughs> love the holiday so much that they do it twice. I'm on board. Let's we, do it. We should do this. Yeah. Yes. The children find themselves up against a local legend called the Summerween Trickster, who threatens to eat them if they don't bring him 500 pieces of candy by the end of the night. <gasps> this episode is so good. It it's honestly yeah. it could be its own thing. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. it legitimately, it's, it's such a fantastic idea. It's creepy enough. You know, yeah. I love watching it with other people because it kind of, it's a little shocking yeah. at some points. Yeah, because yeah, the trickster is genuinely freaky. Yes, he's genuinely like, scary. Because mm-hmm. up until this point, a lot of the supernatural things have been kind of like, you Goofy. know, they're cartoon, they're cartoon <laughs> scary, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they're just they're kind bad. of off yeah. and then, it, oh, turns out it's gnomes, right? Yeah. But this guy's like, wait a second, <laughs> this is a real thing that is like, yeah. Powerful and scary and yeah, eats children. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! And this is such a good Seuss episode. Like they when they're hiding in the store, mm-hmm. and mm. he just like he's like, I'm sorry, I just I, I need I need some levity, and he keeps hitting the oh the the, the, the head the skeleton head oh, yeah. like making jokes. Yeah, it's one of those making things noise. that's yeah. attached to a bowl. Mm-hmm. So that yes. when you put it, like you fill it with candy and then you set it out so that when somebody goes to grab a piece of candy, the skeleton like lights up and like, ah, <laughs> you know, just to try to spook people. Yeah. Right? yeah. But you can also tap the head of it and it tells like jokes or whatever. And he's yeah. like, oh man, this is the greatest thing. A skeleton is the voice of a generation. Voice of a generation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They have to be super quiet because they're hiding from the, the yeah. thing. The thing. And yeah. He's like, well, I'm sorry. Dreamscape Brewers is the 19th episode of season one and the first part of a two-part season finale. Dipper and Mabel play a game in the attic while Stan mocks Gideon's commercial. They learn that Gideon plans to destroy the mystery shack and replace it with a new tent of telepathy. Stan assures them that Gideon will only take over if he breaks in and unlocks his safe. Gideon, angered, pulls out Journal 2 and plans to unleash the journal's greatest weapon, the dream demon Bill Cipher. So we meet Bill Cipher in this episode for the first time, who is, I mean, not to spoil too much, but is essentially the big baddie of the whole show. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Little Gideon is a little baddie. He's a little baddie. (laughs) Big baddie is Bill Cipher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It works also because it's like, he's a dream demon. The plan is for him to go into Stan's head, Mm -hmm. grab the combination to the safe so that Gideon can use it to steal the deed. Mm Mm-hmm. Gideon Rises is part two of the season one finale. Gideon Gleeful steals the mystery shack from Stan, forcing Dipper, Mabel, and Grunkle Stan to live with Seuss and his grandmother, his abuelita. It's so cute. (laughs) I love her. Grunkle Stan is unsure about taking care of the twins and considers sending them back home. With their summer in Gravity Falls threatened, Mabel and Dipper decide to take on Gideon and win back the shack. Win back oh, the shack. <laughs> um, this yeah. is a wild season finale, too. It really is, because yeah. it, it raises the stakes, mm-hmm. like, a lot. Yeah. Because yeah. to this point, the shack has always been fine. Yeah. yeah. And at the end of it all, everything kind of sits out of status quo. You know, it's yeah. all kind of normal. But at the end of the first part, they, like, they lose, they lose essentially. They lose the shack. Yeah. The shack is and gone. like, well, yeah. shoot. And then Stan's like, I can't. 
without the shack, I can't take care of you guys. Yeah, I mean, it's true. Which is, yeah. which is crazy. There's nowhere for them to sleep. Yeah, and Seuss's grandmother can't take care of, what is it, an additional four or five? Right, it's well, additional three, three people. Yeah. yeah. Here's another great standalone episode. The Gulf War is the, <laughs> the Gulf War is the third episode of season two. After being belittled by Pacifica one too many times, Mabel challenges her to a miniature golf game, which gets a tad out of control when they get too involved in an ongoing war between the mini golf course residents while they attempt to win Mabel's favor. Oh my goodness. This episode is genius. I love this episode. Yes. This is the one where all of the little mini golf people, the Lily, yes. the Lily yes. Putchians, as told by... Patton Oswalt. Yeah. yeah. It works. The name works better written out. Yes. Yes. It's a play on Lilliputians, the characters, the little characters in Gulliver's Travels. Yes. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's such a great concept because if you've ever wondered what goes on inside the contraptions at a miniature yes. golf course, because yeah. you hit your ball into a thing and then wait, and then it comes out the bottom somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, what goes on in those places? Yeah. Right. Here you we never get, know. Where here is we, it actually? Here's yeah. our explanation. Oh. That's incredible. And so needlessly complicated. Oh, shucks. It's only our lifelong passion. Would you like us to elaborate through song? Uh, yeah, we're good. The first time I watched this, I actually, I had to stop it because I was crying because I was laughing (laughs) so hard. This this actually was the second episode that I ever saw because it was one that you yeah. showed us. So like what's going on is all the different you know holes mm-hmm. at Putt Putt. They're all d- themed differently. Yeah, yeah, they all have their own. They're all like different countries. Yeah, and they're all warring. They're all yeah. fighting each other. And Mabel will get to decide which of them is the best. And so they're trying to help Mabel win this game, hoping that she's going to pick one of them. And and actually a part where we kind of start to see P- uh, Pacifica turn as a character. Yeah, yeah, Pacifica is yeah not so much of a mean girl in this episode. The next one we have is the little gift shop of horrors. Yes. <laughs> episode six of yes. season two. Yeah. This episode is also the second Halloween special of the series. In three distinct stories, framed as Stan selling oddities to a visiting tourist, Stan is cursed by a witch, Waddles eats a bowl of brain-improving goop, and becomes so smart he creates a device that gives him the ability to talk. (laughs) In the voice of Neil deGrasse Tyson. Which is the best thing ever. (laughs) And Mabel confronts her phobia of claymation. This episode is so cool, especially when we talk about Alex Hirsch wanting Stan to have like that Vincent Price kind yes, of. Yes, yeah. yes, it's such a good. He has that frame. a lot in this episode. Yeah, I love how it's kind of first person. Yes, like yes. the camera's moving around as if it was us, yeah. and Stan talking directly to the audience. No other episode does it. Alex Hirsch is so openly a huge fan of The Simpsons, mm-hmm. and this very much bar- borrows the Treehouse of Terror format mm-hmm. from that show. Yes. Like, there's Halloween specials are always the Treehouse of Terror episodes, mm-hmm. and it's just mini, basically a bunch of mini episodes. Yeah, and that's what this episode does, and it does it really well. Yeah, my favorite is the claymation episode. What about stop motion? What? 
Do you really believe someone moves these figures one frame at a time? I'm not a masochist. I used black magic to make them animate themselves. It's so good. And, and actually, real quick, this is the second time, I believe, that they do one of these, like, mini-episode episodes. Yes. Because yeah. the one with, the, like, the endless pit. I yeah, think. the bottomless pit yeah. was the other one. Mm-hmm. Yes. So good. Blendon's Game is episode eight of season two. In the year 2072, Blandon escapes from the Infinitentiary and the Paradox Avoidance Enforcement Squadron hunts him down. When they and the Time Baby capture him... What a sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. He invokes Globnar. It just keeps getting weird. (laughs) A futuristic latitorial game where the winner of the games receives a time wish. Blandon appoints Mabel and Dipper as tributes to compete against him as part of his plot for revenge. Yeah, so in the first episode with Blendon Blandon, Mabel and Dipper really screw him over. Yes. They use his his equipment, he gets in serious trouble, Mm -hmm. he gets basically thrown in time jail, and so now he's like, I'm having my revenge, we're gonna do this, yeah, we're gonna fight to the the death, sort of, in this time travel game. And the kids are like, all right, you know, they, they do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And this is also the episode where Seuss is having a birthday. Yes. But he does not uh, like his birthday. Yeah. That's right. It turns out that Seuss doesn't like his birthday and they want to use the time wish. They want to win the game and use the time wish to help Seuss. Yeah. Yeah. This is such a cute episode Adorable. for a lot of reasons. Yeah. It really shows you like. You know, how the kids, when they're together, they do the right thing. Yeah, you know? they care. I really like how this one ends where, you know, they give the wish to Suze. Yeah. yeah. He's like, oh, I don't need this, you know, and he wishes, like, Mabel and Dipper, like, get fixed, essentially. Their bruises go away and they're yeah. cleaned up, right? And Blend then comes just like, do you, do you have any idea what you just wasted? A time <laughs> wish or whatever? And then he's like, oh, but I also wish, wish for this. That's <laughs> a piece of pizza. It's infinite pizza. Watch. Infinite he pizza. Eats it and then it just and grows back. And then they're all like, oh, yeah. And they bl- just like, oh, good. Whew. That's <laughs> like a good that, time. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I really love how, you know, they, they win the competition. And because they win, they get to decide what happens to Blend and Blandon, right? Yes. That's like, mm-hmm. that's the thing. They're like, it could be anything. Oh, yeah, you could right. bla- bloop them out of existence. You could, you know, whatever. And when they win, they're like, well, we actually just kind of want to reinstate everything and fix yeah. everything that we did to him. Yeah, because yeah. it's yeah. our fault. Give him so. his old job yeah. back. And they're just, you know, he, and he's so touched. <laughs> Northwest Mansion Mystery, also listed as Northwest Mansion Noir, is the 10th episode of season two. The Northwest family is getting ready to host their annual party with the rich and influential, leaving the rest of the town out to dry. Sins of the past finally come back to bite them as a spirit wrecks havoc in a quest for justice. Pacifica enlists Dipper's help to rid the Northwest Mansion of the ghost before it ruins the fancy party. Yeah. Yeah. This is a nice, another nice standalone Mm -hmm. episode, another Pacifica Northwest episode. Yeah. Another one where she gets a little more depth to her. Yes. And we really realize actually how hard she's got it because of how awful her parents are. Her parents are awful people. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, the next one we have on the list is A Tale of Two Stands, which is episode 12 of season two. 
After a long ongoing tease, we finally find out the purpose of the strange things Stan has been up to behind the vending machine. Cornered underneath the mystery shack, Stan must finally reveal the secrets of his past and his mysterious portal to Dipper and Mabel, rescuing his long-lost twin brother, also Stan. Spoilers! Um, Yeah, we find out that Stan not only knows about the journal, uh, he's been keeping it from the kids, Mm -hmm. and he's been planning to rescue his brother, who was on the other side of a portal. Yep, Stanley and Stanford. Weird Mageddon is the four-part series finale of Gravity Falls. Yeah, we didn't want to like go super heavy into spoilers. However, you no. have to talk about the finale. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. When Dipper accidentally reveals his plans to stay in Gravity Falls and be Ford's apprentice, Mabel becomes extremely upset and runs away. In her quick exit, she grabs the wrong bag, with the sealed dimensional rift inside. Yeah, we're skipping over a lot of story stuff yeah. here. Um. <laughs> so there's a rift. And yeah. It's kind of, sh- you know, very fragile. Yeah, it's like Dipper and Ford kind of, you know, were able to contain this rift and they've got it in mm-hmm. the backpack. Mm-hmm. She grabs the wrong thing. She runs into Blandon, who tells her that he can make summer last forever in exchange for the device. She agrees, but it turns out it was Bill Cipher in disguise. Oh, no. He destroys the device, releasing the dimensional rift that allows him to enter the real world and become the weirdness overlord of the universe. Oh, my lord. That is a ridiculous thing. (laughs) This this is so sad and so sweet. This part of Mm -hmm. the episode where Mabel is just, she feels so lonely. She found out, she's like... Learning about becoming a teenager, they're they're going to turn thirteen yeah. really soon. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, yeah, Wendy Wendy rev- basically reveals to Mabel that high school sucks. Yeah, yeah. And, and Mabel didn't know that, and and she's kind of on her own this whole episode because Dipper's been off mm-hmm. with Ford, and they've been doing this dimensional rift stuff. Yeah. And she's so hurt and so sad, and it just makes me cry every time I watch this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he's like, oh, Mabel, you know, summer ends. You, We grow up. And it's just, yeah. oh, my God. And so she does what any, you know, sad, lost kid would do, you know. Yeah. She she tries to fix it. She tries to make it so that summer will last forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is what really jumpstarts the finale of the show, which is yep. this massive Weird Mageddon. Everything <laughs> is as strange it's as you could possibly insane. imagine it. Uh, we've got monsters going around. We've got a new theme song. We've got, you know, so Mabel's much. trapped in this prison of rainbows and unicorns. Yeah. And- oh, yeah. yeah. It's like a perfect Mabel world. Yes. Yeah. But with very, like, subtly dark yeah. undertones. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And this finale is so beautiful and it makes me ball every time i watch it yeah you know it's just so sweet and it and it yeah. wraps everything up so well and you know it's like it's the perfect perfect ending they could never continue this show like it's this is yeah, done no. right. this is it's over fun. you know and i right. love that about it but also i want more <laughs> all right everyone now we are moving on to the funnest of facts <laughs> old man mcgucket was originally going to be named hootenanny mcgucket Old Man McGucket is the town kook. Yeah. In this show, he's also voiced by Alex Hirsch, I think. Oh, my. For goodness um, sake. He is, yes. Yeah, he. Goodness sake. 
he's like this silly, goofy guy. Uh, Absolutely who, ridiculous. Who is a secret genius. Yep. You find out later. Yeah. We just hadn't really mentioned him yet, so that's why I'm like, we better explain who Old yeah. Man McGuckin is. <laughs> if you look carefully, the symbol on Stan's hat changes halfway through the first season. This happened because Hirsch became concerned that it too closely resembled the Shriner's hat symbol, and they could get in legal trouble. When Gravity Falls came to Disney+, Plus, they removed the symbol from the hat for streaming. Hirsch fought this, and the hat symbol has been restored. Halfway through the show, a fan correctly guessed who the author was and their connection to Grunkle Stan. So Hirsch and his team created a fake image of Old Man McGucket, the town inventor and eccentric, with six fingers. They knew this might fool some fans because whoever created the journal had six fingers. The image spread online. That's pretty wild. It was like, we gotta nip, the, nip this in the bud. We yeah. need to like create yeah. an alternate story. Somebody like, was able to kind of figure out what was going yeah. on. Oh, yeah. And instead of caving and changing their story, they did something Thank about God. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was, I think there was a moment, like there was an episode where they almost think that too. Yes, they do. Yeah. They like built it yeah, up for that in the show yeah. too. Yeah. So yeah. it's like people watching were like, oh, yeah, we were right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, oh, they messed yeah. up when they leaked that photo. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next we have the awards and reception that it received. So as the show was ending, Alex Hirsch decided that there was one last thing he needed to do. He needed to have a real-life Bill Cipher in the world. So he had a plexiglass version made of Bill. He and Ian Worrell then crafted a whole big treasure hunt for the fans, which started with a brief video of the statue at the end of the final episode. We'll link to the info about the entire hunt on our blog for those that are interested. Super in that, cool. It's, yeah, it's so neat. Many people absolutely love this show. Both seasons of Gravity Falls hold a 100% approval rating Damn. on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> wow. With an almost perfect audience score as well. Wow. That's, That's pretty impressive. Hard to do. Yeah. yeah. Last time I looked, it was like 96. Damn. Wow. Or 98. Maybe. That's so cool. That's good. Gravity Falls has been ranked by various publications, including Uproxx, IndieWire, Yard Barker, IGN, and the AV Club, as third on the current kids' cartoons that adults should watch. <laughs> okay. It also is 12th on the 50 best animated series of all time and 48th on the 100 best TV shows of the 2010s. Dude. It was Disney XD's top animated series of 2015 and drew in an average of 1.8 million viewers per episode. Jeez. Ranking as the third animated cable TV series in ages 9 to 14. Oh, wow. The show was nominated for 49 awards across the industry and won 13 of them. This includes two back-to-back primetime Emmys for Outstanding Individual Achievement in Animation. That's so nice. Wow. Also an Annie Award for Best Animated TV slash Broadcast Production for Children's Audience. And additionally, J.K. Simmons won two (laughs) People's Choice Awards for his work on the show. Ford. Absolutely. How do you guys feel about Gravity Falls before we wrap this up? My goodness gracious. I'm very glad that I finally, you know, committed to it and and watched it through. I knew for a very long time 
that I wanted to watch it. It was always on my list and that I knew I would like it. But you know how things go. But mm-hmm. I'm glad we did this episode. It yeah. was like the ultimate <laughs> reason to actually to pull go. the trigger and do it. Yeah. Because, you know, I was shown a couple of episodes before and they were great. But for some reason, I just, you know, life gets in the way or whatever. But I did yeah. it and I'm so mm-hmm. glad I did it. And I am on that team now. It's like, oh, man, I wish there was more to watch. (laughs) Yeah. I remember when I told you, I said, it's one of my favorite animated shows ever, Mm -hmm. like of all Mm -hmm. time. And you were like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) okay. It's high praise, It's a little bit bit of a surprise, you know? So I was like, yeah, no, trust me. I didn't expect it to be, but it is. Yeah. (laughs) You know, for me, it's, yeah, it's like right (laughs) under Avatar. I think it's a a fantastic show. Mm Mm-hmm. Has it has so much for everyone to like really dig into? Yeah, it, it presents such a great world and mystery mm-hmm. uh, that's also just in like rural Oregon. So it's like yeah. it could be yeah. real. Yeah, you know, there's so much of like the so woods were like, ooh, we don't know about. Yes. Yeah, and it's so mm-hmm. much fun. You start out in the first episode with a rainbow puking gnome i mean (laughs) you can only get better from there you know right yes and i think that's why that uh that image has stuck around so much yeah i just love that i just it's such a beautiful story Mm -hmm. i love the heart and soul behind it the characters really care about each other and you know and it it is i love spooky mystery things so it's just something so so neat about that and I wish there were more shows like it, honestly. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Same. It's rare to find a show like Gravity Falls. On the surface, it may appear to be like any other wacky children's cartoon with funny characters and silly plots. But from the very first episode, it's easy to see that this series is something special. It focuses on impossible plots played out by characters that show real emotion. For the children watching, the characters like Mabel will inspire them to be themselves, while Dipper reminds them how thrilling it can be to use your imagination. For the adults, Gravity Falls is a reminder. It pulls us back to a time when summer was the most magical time, and when the idea of growing up was the most exciting yet terrifying thing. This series is a complete story that is jam-packed with lore and world-building, but also enough Monster of the Week episodes to let the audience breathe. The characters are genuine, the stories are creative, and the lessons are important for all ages. So if you're interested, don't wait to visit or revisit Gravity Falls. The mysteries are waiting. All right. You'll never know. (laughs) Mysteries. Oh, Oh, man. I just, it's so good. I, I, you mentioned just some of the, the humor is just so top notch. Because there was one part that sticks with me the like probably the most when Dipper was still swooning over Wendy. Yeah. And he was having these visions. He had one vision of himself taller. <laughs> or maybe it was just the same him. I don't remember. Yeah. Just like, you know, taking Wendy for a dance. She's like, oh, Dipper, you're the best. You know, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. that, that a child would As imagine. As they would imagine, yeah. But then when... Robbie shows up. He imagines her with Robbie. He's like, "Oh, Robbie, you're so you're so cool and mysterious, and I like you more because you play guitar." <laughs> and then she's like, "Hold on a second. And she walks over to Dipper and just 
boom oh like, yeah just... gut and he knocks him out like hold on a second i need to go punch dipper also yeah i that was one of the moments that broke me i think that was yeah. so freaking funny yeah and there's a lot of moments like that so but yep all right i guess let's consider that a case closed okay Ooh. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. You. Hope you have a great evening. Go watch Gravity Falls. Yes. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you to our patrons, John, JD, Anthony, Shelley, Bob, Jaron, and Jacob. Thank you so thank much. You. And we hope you enjoyed the extended version of this episode. Yes. yes. We'll see you again next week. Have a spooky week. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>